Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I already did welcome you, but I will welcome you again to this uh, new series we're starting today. Um, whether you realize this or not, the, the leaves have changed and many of them are gone because of the wind. I understand that and probably you do too. Uh, but it hasn't gotten cold yet. So the season hasn't fully changed and, and we do have a little bit of time yet. But there's only three short weeks until we begin Advent. Three weeks until we start with this anticipation story about uh, what God has done for us through sending himself in the person of Jesus uh, to be the reconciler for all of us. And that being said, as we lead up to this season of anticipation, we're going to look directly, directly and explore the concept, the understanding of what it means to love God wholly. Last year, my, my family and I, well, I'll say this, my kids and I, uh, we watched a show on Netflix called Ultimate Beastmasters. Anybody seen the show? Okay, it's not about animals. It's not about uh, cooking. It's, an, it's a show that basically uh, it brings in as many people from different countries as possible to compete in trying to finish an obstacle course that they called or they named The Beast, right? And so the way that it works is they go through different stations where they have to try to beat different parts of what they've made up to be the beast. Uh, You have to go through its body, so to speak, when really it's just a bunch of obstacles. And as you do, if you fall off and land in the water, or what they call the blood of the beast, which is just water with red dye in it, you are eliminated and you don't move on uh, to the next round, depending upon times and all those types of things. And so in a lot of ways, it's kind of a gladiator type show where they go through these different things and they, they, uh, they, they, they try to beat each other's times and they, they kind of make a story out of it. Here's this person's background, that kind of thing. And you have some inspirational stories, kind of fun to watch. And there's one specific part in the second section, the second obstacle called the intestinal track, which is basically just a tube that they have to run up inside, but it's kind of wet in there. And as they're running up this tube, it's going down which in and of itself is difficult and kind of gives me a panic attack to think about trying to run up inside this tube that's being submerged in water, right, while you're going up through it. But the part that's most uh, most difficult, most stressful to watch and probably for the contestants is as it's going down, at the end they have to jump off of it onto a moving elevated conveyor belt that's coming at them. And so when they get to the top, If they don't go very quickly, which typically they can't go very quickly because they're slipping all the way through, and that part actually reminds me of that old Nickelodeon show where there's slime everywhere, right? And so they're trying to get to the top, and when they get to the top, if they're they're not elevated enough, when they jump on the conveyor belt, they kind of fall back into the water and they're eliminated. However, sometimes they'll get to the top with enough time where if they jumped on, they'd be okay, and then sometimes in the middle they jump, and this is the, the worst part about it. Sometimes they jump, but they have enough arm strength that they can hold on to the conveyor belt on either side, and they just kind of hold there while the conveyor belt just keeps pushing them until eventually their arms give out and they fall into the blood of the beast. And the interesting thing that I noticed about this is the ones that are most successful are the ones that go all the way up as quickly as they can, and then with all of their energy, 
They go all in to make this leap that gives all of themselves. They're not concerned about the things around them. They're not concerned about the next obstacle. They're not concerned about the obstacle they just completed. They're not concerned about the, the, the water below them or the other contestants, but they go all in to make this leap onto the conveyor belt. And most of the time, when they do so in good time and with courage and with an all-in mentality, they make it and they're able to move on to the next obstacle. But the thing that I notice about this most specifically as we think about understanding what it means to love God wholly is the issue metaphorically is that that picture of the person hanging there at the end of the conveyor belt. And perhaps you have been there before, perhaps you're there now where you maybe haven't gone all in with this relationship with Christ, or maybe you've got one foot in and one foot out, or maybe you've, you've made decisions along the way, but you haven't really lived up to them, or you haven't lived fully into them. Maybe you are what scripture calls serving two masters, where you've got kind of this uh, allegiance over here, this priority over here, and you've got God over here, and you're kind of trying to hold on to both of them. Or maybe you got lost in the rat race of life, maybe you feel alone, Whatever it might be, you're still maybe holding on to or, or grasping the hem of Christ, but at the same time, the rest of the world has got you down. Wherever you're at, wherever you come into this space today, maybe even standing at the top of the conveyor belt saying, hey, I'm good, and this will just be kind of a refresher for you. We're going to launch into what it means to directly and intentionally jump all in into a loving, holistic, loving relationship with Jesus. Deuteronomy 6.5 reads like this. This is a, 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 a message to, I'm just going to read this one passage and we'll jump from this. this, this one verse. This is a message to the Israelites. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Now this will come back in the Gospels and we'll talk about it today and then throughout this series as well. Jesus also adds a fourth thing into that and we'll discuss that as well. But this concept of loving God with all that we are, with every piece of our being, with the recognition that we are holistic beings, that we have a soul, that we have might, which is a physical body, which we have a, a, a mind, which we have a, a spirit, which we have a heart. All of these things play a part in what we do and who we are, and where our allegiance lies. The series today, we're going to look at specifically what it means to love God with all your heart. We're going to embrace what the heart is and what it means to love God. Next week, we'll look at what it means to love God with all our soul. And then finally, to culminate the series in three weeks or two, two weeks from today with all of our might. And here's the series point. If you're taking notes, let me just say there's, there's plenty of space on there besides the fill in the blank. So if the Spirit leads you to, to think of something else, typically I would encourage you to write that down because God meant that for you specifically. Those are the moments where after the service when you say, man, I felt like you were talking just to me. That's where I say, nope, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Uh, and, and hopefully all of this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But in that specific instance, write those things down because God has a message directly for you. But the serious point is this, love God wholly. That's the call. That's the desire that God has. That's, that's the way in which we don't find ourselves hanging on at the end of the conveyor belt about to fall into the water. Instead, God calls us to love him wholly, not just with our strength 
our physical being showing up to church or, or maybe being in the right place, not just with our, with our heart where we do so quietly, but we don't have any action that comes from it, not just from our soul where we think, okay, just about things eternal and the things of this world don't matter. No, but God calls us to love him wholly with every part of our being. Answer a couple of questions to kind of uh, open this up. The first one is this, what does it mean to love God wholly? What does that actually mean? And we're going to explore this not just today, but throughout the next couple of weeks as well. How is it possible to love God wholly? What does it look like to love God wholly? To answer this, let's first uh, define a couple of things. First one is, what does holy mean? What does it mean? uh, What does the word holy mean? Spiritually, we we think of ourselves or we should think of ourselves as holistic beings. We are are holistic. The the, The simple dictionary definition reads like this, a point of being entirely or fully, all of you, every bit of you, everything that you are, every thought that you have, every, every investment that you make, no matter what it might be, every part of you, holy. Heart, soul, and mind. It's exploring the how of honoring God with what we are, with what we've been given. I prayed earlier and we sang earlier about the fact that what we do, what we say, what we engage in is a response to what God has already done because God is the start. He's, He's the genesis of all things and he started us, he put us, our life into motion. So everything that we do is a response to that, whether it be to love him or to love uh, the other. The endeavor of loving God wholly is an action of sanctification. And this word sanctification is the process of growing closer to God, knowing him more. Holiness, perhaps you've seen that or heard that word before, being set apart from, from, uh, from the world, being set apart from the things of, of the devil so that you might be able to experience God and know him in a greater way. Furthermore, what is love? It's more than an emotion. You know, we hear this word love In our society, we hear this word or we see it thrown around. Today, we embrace this command of love, to love God with all your heart. And the passage we're going to look at primarily is from Mark's gospel, chapter 12. If you want to turn there, you can. If you want to pull it up on your uh, smart device, you can do that as well. Mark chapter 12, it'll also be on the screen, verses 29 through 33. And then just kind of set the stage. The religious leaders are challenging Jesus. They've been grilling him, in fact, with different questions to try to get him to slip up. I think there's also some curiosity involved. They're asking questions about, what do you believe? What is this all about? You know, we've seen some of the things you've been doing, so there's there's maybe some intrigue on what's happening with this Jesus. And so we're going to try to figure out what's going on here. But at the same time, they're frustrated because Jesus is responsible is sometimes put them in the crosshairs of somebody who should feel a, a little bit of, of, of a conviction, right? He, he's comparing them to unrighteous vine growers. He's comparing them to whitewashed tombs, these people that, that, are, that, are, that look good on the outside but aren't necessarily living it on the inside. They ask him questions about his loyalty, right? About the loyalty, what we should have. What about this money? Should we give uh, to the government? And, and, and here Jesus talks about giving to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. And then finally, as they're kind of walking through this, one scribe, uh, uh, basically more out of curiosity than anything else, recognized that Jesus wasn't going to be tricked, that he had an answer for everything. And so he asked an honest question. And he asked this honest question where Jesus uses Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, as, a, as a, the stance, the foundation of what it means to truly honor God. What is the greatest command of all? Love God and love one another. And so let's see how this unfolds. It reads like this. Starting in verse 28, chapter 12, Gospel of Mark. 
one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given him, them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offering and sacrifices. And here we see exclusively, or specifically, I should say, that Jesus is getting to the heart of all the commands, bringing them all together in recognition that you can follow the rules. And perhaps you've recognized this before. You can follow the rules on the outside while fighting the rules on the inside, right? You can do the things that are necessary of you to do, specifically at your job or at home or wherever you might find yourself or in the classroom to get by to do the things that are necessary of you while fighting them intensely on the inside. And what Jesus is saying here is that all the rules, all the commands that have been given culminate on this one main purpose, which is to love God wholly. And like it, which we'll recognize in a couple of weeks, to love others wholly with this recognition that if we love God, we're going to love others. And if we love others, we're going to love God. If we hate God, then we'll hate others. If we hate others, then we're going to hate God. This direct connection. So what do we learn specifically about this word love? The original text sheds a little bit of light on defining love. In Hebrew, the, the word, in, the, in the Hebrew language, the word Ahab means for affection for, desire, for delight. And then Jesus brings this culmination of bringing it past the letter of the law to the intent of the law with this Greek word agape. Preference for, wish well, regardless of the welfare of, this, to, to, to prize it above other things, unwilling to abandon or to do without. In short, one diminishes that Jesus was saying, what Jesus was saying about love when one views it as a mere emotion. If you look at love and you say, this is just an emotion, this is just something that lasts for a time, this is just something that, that's, that's temporal within this world, then we diminish what Jesus was trying to say because Christ, his words, his expression of love goes far beyond what we experience here on earth and is actually an eternal value, an eternal instance that takes place not just in this world but beyond. Loving God in this context within the New Testament is holistic love. It's galvanizing, it's beyond feeling, it inspires thoughts and stimulates desires that go far beyond what we know. Loving God motivates every decision we make and grants us the courage to act upon how God leads us to act. So what do we do when we recognize this command? How do we go through this concept of loving God with all of our heart? Let's explore four observations specifically from this passage. The first one is this. We are called to love God exclusively. The Lord your God, let me just read this again. The Lord, your, Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love God exclusively. In fact, Matthew chapter 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
You cannot serve two masters. You can't hold on over here and hold on over here and expect at some point that you're not going to be divided and have to choose one or the other. Recently, I was at a, at a livestock auction. While I was there, I was recognizing afterwards when the, when the auction was all concluded that there were some people loading their cages. They were taking the, the, the chickens and the roosters they had purchased. They were loading their cages. And I noticed this guy was attempting to try to get it all together on his own. And I will tell you, last time I told a story where I saw someone in distress and I didn't go help them, I heard from all of you how terrible I was. Let me tell you, I finally made, I got the courage to go help this person uh, in the midst of it. But when I initially noticed what happened, I recognized the fact that he had already loaded a couple of, of birds into the cage in the back of his truck. And instead of closing the cage, he tried to hold the cage closed with one foot. And he kind of did this balancing act. And I got to hold onto the table here because I'm not as, as flexible or as, uh, as, and I don't have as good a balance as him. And at the same time, he's reaching into this cage to try to get another chicken out. And as he does so, he loses his balance and he starts to stumble a little bit while this one opens and these chickens come out. And as he turns around to look at them, the other chickens in this one get out and he's got four chickens running around the area that have no desire to be in a cage and have no desire to go wherever he's planning for them to go. And at this specific point, the recognition is as he's attempting to try to keep his hands and his feet literally on all of these things, trying to, to serve both at the same time, guess what? He serves neither of them well. And his, his, his divided attention, his divided uh, experience, his divided action, instead, it, 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 the response or the, the action is that everything is spoiled, everything is ruined. And he finds himself hanging off of that conveyor belt, trying not to fall in the water. Because look, I tried to grab onto too many things. I, was, I had my mind in two different places, or I had my mind in many different places. And in so doing, I lost my footing, or I didn't jump in all the way on anything. And therefore, I found myself at the bottom of the conveyor belt, ready to fall in. And I did go over and help him gather up the chickens, and all was saved which maybe the, that's where that, that part of the illustration breaks down and maybe the part where we as the church need to lift each other up and support each other begins to rise to the top, right? But the core of that is this. We love God with all our heart when we love him exclusively, him and him alone. You know, there are priorities in this world. There's other things in this world that, that require our love. There are people in this world that require our love, but God's love, the love that we have for God is far greater than anything else, any temporal love that we can experience here. The second one is this, we're called to love God beyond all earthly measure. We're called to love God beyond our all earthly measure. Instead, additionally, Luke chapter 14, verse 26 reads like this, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. If I said amen and dismissed you right now, I hope you leave discouraged. Because the message there specifically is not that we should hate all the people around us. Instead, the requirement there goes far beyond this understanding that the love we have for God is not even in the same realm as the love that we have for the things of this world. Specifically, uh, several years ago, I was having a conversation with someone. I was talking about uh, Luke chapter 9 was when Jesus was talking to a man who wanted to follow him. But before the man followed him, Jesus told him that, that you know, he had to drop everything. Before the man would follow him, he said, I, I want to go bury my father first. 
And at that point, that was unacceptable to Jesus. He said, no, I'm not going to be part of this. You're not going to be part of this. That's it. And, and for most, you look at that and you say, wow, you wouldn't even let this man go and have a funeral for his dad before he would come. But upon a closer look and an, and an exploration of what actually took place in that passage and the cultural historical background of what was going on there, the way that the wording in the original language would indicate is that his father had not died yet. In fact, his father was doing well. His father was working. His father had him alongside him uh, in his job and what he was doing. And what was really taking place here is the man was saying, I've got a lot of things I want to accomplish first, a lot of things I want to do first in my context. I want to I work some things out first. And then when I get around to it, Jesus, I'll find Finally, come follow you. It's not like he was standing there at the funeral home, finishing up the, the, the paperwork for the funeral, and then Jesus said, nope, you can't do this, you got to come with me. Instead, he was, he was saying, I want to live my life first. We follow God with all our soul when we find our sanctification in him more than any other person or any other thing. When we follow him first, when we recognize the number one priority, the only priority, which is loving God beyond all earthly measure. The third observation is this, we're called to love God with a heart of obedience. We're called to love God with a heart of obedience. Now, the previous two specifically look at our, our bend, our direction, our, our, our allegiance. This one specifically is the tangible. This is the one for those of us in the room that we're, 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 we understand our faith through action. We understand our faith and our, and our direction through action. When we, when we love God through obedience, that means that our actions, the things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we engage life, all indicates a love, a response to who God is and what he's done in our life. John chapter 14, verse 21 through 24 reads like this. He who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And what were God's commands? Ultimately, the greatest command to love God and to love others. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Jesus answered and he said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. And I just say this in some regard, specifically on what's, in, what, what's being communicated here through John's gospel, through Jesus' quoted words, loving God is a choice. Loving God is a, is a decision, and the greatest thing about that decision is that's an act of love, too, that God has given you and I free will to make the decision to love him. You know, he, he could have just, as an ultimate God, said, okay, well, here's the deal. You're all going to love me. You're all going to worship me. You're all going to be robots, right? But he didn't do that. He created us in his image with the desires and, 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 the, and, and the, uh, the emotion and, and, and the willingness to be able to act however we choose. Now, his spirit works in our lives and grants us the opportunity to be able to experience him. That's grace before grace. But he also gives us opportunity to make the decision to say, yes, I'm going to honor and love and be obedient to God. We have the choice to love God and to honor his commands. 
Not too long ago, I was back in our children's ministry on a Sunday night and I was watching the kids as the, 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 uh, the leaders were instructing them and I was watching how they were responding. I was watching what they were doing and I could tell that the kids in some regard didn't fully understand what was taking place. They didn't know exactly what was gonna happen next, but they were, they were listening intently and they were doing what they were told and I, I recognized through the action that was happening that they weren't necessarily doing what they were told because of the fact that they were enjoying what was happening, which sometimes that's the case. They weren't necessarily doing what they were told because they knew all the program of what was going to happen next. No, they were doing what they were told because they knew and they experienced the love of the leader who was in there directing and guiding them. And it's interesting to note that sometimes in life, it can be difficult for us to experience and to be obedient to God. It can be difficult for us to step forward and say yes to God, but it can be much, much easier to step forward in obedience when we know the character and the nature of a good and loving God. And the character and the nature of a good loving God is this, that while we were yet sinners, while you and I were yet sinners, God sent himself through the person of Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you and for me. And that nature and that character reflects one who doesn't just say, I love you, but acts upon it. And that same God chooses to give us the opportunity and calls us to be obedient so that we might step forward and act upon, just as a response to what he's done for us, this greatest expression of love by giving all of himself for us. We love God with our minds when we, when we make decisions to obey his every command. And then finally, the fourth one is loving God is an unconditional endeavor. An unconditional endeavor. Loving God doesn't say, God, you know what? I'm going to follow you as long as you make me prosper. As long as you set that job up for me or as long as you get everything together so that I might experience the things that I want to experience. God, if you can just make this house payment, if you can just give me an A on this test that I didn't study for, God, if you can just make all the people in my life healthy, if you can fix all these things, I'll love you. No, God doesn't say that. He doesn't require that. What he asks of us is unconditionally to step in without any expectation to say, yes, God, I love you just the same way that you loved me unconditionally. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We love God with our strength when we persevere in the face of every trial, in every storm that we find ourselves in. You know, the reason in many cases that we struggle in the rat race is because we have a divided mind. We have different things, different priorities that sometimes can cloud us from experiencing God or sometimes can cause us to say, God, you know what? I love you, but I want to get this figured out first. Or I want you to do this thing for me first. Trying to serve two masters or maybe giving Caesar what's God's or giving God what's Caesar's in some cases. Following the letter of the law, rather the intent of the law, rather than to say, okay, I'm gonna do the things that I'm supposed to do while having this, this, this distress or this frustration or even this anger or this hate in my heart towards someone else or towards God. I'm gonna follow the rules. I'm gonna do things I'm supposed to do. Maybe loving other people or other things equally to God. Anything but loving God is instructed in the word. Any of those things cause us to fall short of loving God wholly. And can I just say this? I know sometimes we, we, we read this kind of passage and we think, man, God, he just, he just wants everything. And to that response, the, the deeper you grow in relationship to him, the more you're like, yeah, that makes sense. 
But perhaps you're at a place where you're like, why does God, why does he have to, why does he always have to take everything that's fun from me? Why does he have to just, why does he have to always be grabbing everything from me? And I, I look at that same concept and I think, I can't believe sometimes the fact that we are willing to exchange the most temporal, the most ridiculous, the most silly things in life for the greatest gift any of us could ever imagine. God chose to reach into this world. He didn't just create us and say, good luck, I hope you figure it out. He chose to reach into this world by sending himself into this environment to say, you know what? I realize you can't get out of this maze on your own. I realize you can't solve the puzzle. I realize you can't fix yourself. You can't pay the ransom. So I'll do it for you. And I think too, sometimes in the context of of loving God, we look at it through the context of saying, okay, if I love God enough, then he'll be happy with me, right? We don't have to do that. God loves us unconditionally already. And as we step forward in that, we get to know that more and our love for him grows even even more deeply than it has in the past. Matthew's gospel in, in chapter 22, verse 40, it, it records this the same thing. And in, in 2240, it reads this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes a long list of instructions or a long, uh, you know, instruction manual can be a daunting thing to look at, right? I need a, a couple of small things to help me understand the, the premise of everything or to, to bring everything together, maybe a, a few short steps to be able to make it work or to give clarity. And sometimes all the rules can sort of kind of make it more difficult. Let me just say, Christ did a wonderful thing for us. He gave us a wonderful gift by saying, look, you can sum it all up like this. Love God and love people. If you want to love God wholly, if you want to experience a loving relationship with God the Creator, with God the Son, with God the Spirit, just love God and love people. With your time, with your talent, with your treasure, with all your resource, with all you are. And this isn't about action, this is not exclusively, it's about perspective. Love him with your, with your mind. Love him with your strength. Love him with your heart today. And one of the ways that we do that, one of the ways we engage that is by stepping into things called spiritual disciplines, right? Reading scripture and getting to know more about God, allowing the spirit to speak, prayer and, and listening, reflection, engaging with people through accountability. And today, even as we em- embrace this moment, we're gonna step into a moment of, of communion which I don't know if you know this, but you can't practice communion on your own because communion by definition is a communal thing where we come together. You can take the Lord's Supper by yourself, but as we come together in communion, we do so as a body where we love each other while we love God. And so in just a moment, we're gonna transition to a time of communion, this expression of loving God wholly and entirely and intentionally. As we step into this, we recognize that Jesus was not only inviting his disciples to join his life, he was also inviting them to join him in death, in this sowing in of what God has done in our lives, this dying to self so that we might live for him. In just a moment, the ushers are going to come, and I'm going to pray uh, over the elements to consecrate the elements in this moment. And as I do, I want to encourage you to take a moment to reflect, to say, God, how might I love you more holy? 
What part of me, particularly even today, what part of me, even in my heart, am I reserving for something else? When we sang that song, King of My Heart, what other thing might be sitting, might be the king or the queen or the inanimate object of my heart? That I might need to say even today, I'm not gonna just try to hold on to the bottom of this conveyor belt only just waiting to fall into the, the water, but instead I'm gonna jump wholeheartedly with all, of, all that I am onto this thing so that I might continue to run the race for the God who created me. Perhaps today is the moment where you say, you know what, I've been holding this, harboring this frustration towards somebody else, or I've been holding back this resource from God and he want, might want to use it, or I've been taking this time and I've been wasting and squandering it. I haven't been a good steward of what God's given me, whatever it might be, today might be the day where you say, God, as we engage in this moment together in communion as a body, may you take all of me. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.